This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, elegant listeners, to the brand new season of Go My Favorite Sports Team. Wow. What's new? <laughs> <laughs> What's new about it? Well, look at all these decorations hey. we have. Holy shit. I mean, the cover art is new. Check That's out the cover true. art on the episodes. That's true. And that'll be eventually available on the merch. Yes, it will. <laughs> That's how we make the money. <laughs> anyway, I'm Mark. I am the guy that knows marginally more about sports than I did in season one. And I owe all of my knowledge to the man sitting across from me known as Tyler. Yes, that is me. The one with the master's degree. The one that has been the brain of the operations to educate and inform you and Mark about the world of sport. Yeah, what does that make me? You're the the heart, the, the soul. Heart, the heart and soul of the operation? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I was going to say you're like the dick of the operation or something <laughs> like that. Like the sphincter of the operation or something. I'm holding all the bullshit back. And I let it out in a few fits and bursts throughout the podcast. But I appreciate that. That's high praise. So the objective here, all of us who have been listening from the very beginning, including myself, because I do count myself as a listener and not so much as a participant on this, all of us has accumulated a bit of knowledge about sports, even if we haven't gone out and played a game, even if we haven't gone out and seen a game, much like me. I haven't done any of those things since the podcast started. But if you're if you're in the camp with me, you do have a greater appreciation for what sports means in the world and how important it is for the human experience to have that sense of competition and that rivalry and the camaraderie that goes with it and the athleticism and the, the seeing of what your body can do. We talked a lot about the bases of sports, and we talked a lot about the various sports that are extremely popular in the world. But now it's time in Season 2 to do the exact same thing that we did in Season 1, except now it's Season 2. Yeah, which means we've learned more. We're smarter. Yeah. We're more big-brainy. We're yeah. more structured and we're know older. exactly what we're talking about. Oh. We're older. Yeah. We're falling apart more. Our bodies are decaying a little farther. Oh. Our telomeres are unraveling as we speak. So, my my birthday is this month. Why are you doing this to me? It's just how it is. That's the reality of life. Oh, you God. grow older every day. The unmarching, the unending march of time carries on. <laughs> I'm so sad. Just like a clock in a game, especially in soccer where it doesn't stop. I know this. I learned. <laughs> yeah. Look at you. Look at you with your sports brain. Thank you. Starting to blossom. Thank you. I only have one jacques for the new year, which is fascinating. Yeah. It was actually a very somber jacques. No, that makes it sound sad. 
It's it's a totally fun, no one's died. Okay, I'm <laughs> like, like no, everything's what fine. Happened? Everything's fine. It was a jacuzzi. Was about like uh, someone said, and I kind of thought about this, and I was like, kind of like, oh, maybe there's something to this. Andante. Mm -hmm. on the Discord, said this, and I kind of found it interesting. Tyler, my attention span is very small, and if you start with the history of a sport before how the sport is played or what the goal is, I'm not going to absorb any of it. I'm sorry. And I found this interesting because I like hearing about the history yeah. first. That's what gets me into it. Am I a nerd? No, Am I, I don't a dweeb? So. To me, it fits like chronologically because as the sport develops, you can't really define the sport as it stands now. Yeah, that's so true. So the history builds into the part to where it's like, oh, this is how it came together. And so mentally, you're more ready for the actual product of the modern game. So Tyler, what you're saying is they're an idiot. That's not what I'm saying. And they're wrong. I'm saying that for us, the way that we learn and the way our minds work... <laughs> It makes sense, but maybe for them it doesn't. Because just like Bob in his episode, we talked about how he thinks about words differently. I don't want to hear a single word about another. How dare you talk about another host? <laughs> well, I'm here right now. I didn't listen to Wade's episode. I definitely didn't listen to Bob's episode. I won't listen to either of them. And how dare you? Listen, people's brains work differently. I understand what you're getting no, at, no. but guess what? Suck it up because it's staying the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that on, Dante. That's what you get. That's what you get. That's the first jacuzzi of the year. And we shut it down. <laughs> it makes sense to us, and we like it. Yeah, we like it. Everybody likes it. And if anybody doesn't like it, they can take it on to the distractible subreddit if they want to cause a jacuzzi of that because that's an actual jacuzzi. Oh. Anyway, let's get into whatever the hell we're going to talk about today. My brain is empty and my uh, I'm ready. My sphincter is closed, I think. Well, before I tell you what it's about, I have some questions for you, Mark. Oh, God. Is this a jacuzzi for me? This isn't how no, this is supposed no. to go. This is coming from me. This is coming from me. It feels like a jacuzzi. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. I'm just leading into the topic. All right. All so right. it's getting colder outside. You know, it's like wintry time. I don't like where this is going. You know, you got a twinkle in your eye. <laughs> Get a little sway in your hips. I don't. I don't like you this. You know, have you ever climbed a mountain and been like, "Huh, how do I go down this faster?" <laughs> okay, all right. Well, see, I'm thinking this is going. Is there, how do I go down this mountain faster? Mm -hmm. It's snow covered. Uh huh. There's a yeti. Uh huh. There's a tree. Uh huh. You got a hatchet. I have a hatchet. That yeti is yelling at you and being like, "If you don't leave my yard." Right now and get down this mountain. You gotta make a tool. It's a southern yeti. <laughs> Am I in the Appalachian yeah, Mountains? hundred <laughs> percent. You gotta make something out of the tree. What are you right. making? Okay, what am I making out of the tree? Yeah, you only have a tree and a hatchet, and you have to make some sort of tool. Is the to get yeti down the giving mountain. me enough time to cut down the tree? Because you I'm, have one week. I have a week on the top of this mountain. What am I eating? The yeti is giving you its leftovers. <laughs> Man, this is a real nice, but also. Very. I I guess it's nice. The yeti is nice to guess, but has boundaries about staying yeah. long enough. If you if you take too long, he's gonna I feel eat like you. I'm, if I have a week, I have a week to climb down the mountain. No. Don't I? <laughs> okay. He won't let me. You're leave not that allowed way. to. You have to build a tool because he uh, wants innovation. Okay. He's uh, expecting Southern Appalachian Yeti. Yes. But very kind and, <laughs> and accommodating. He wants to learn. He's giving you okay. sweet tea every time you get sweaty. Wow. That's uh, sweaty up in here in this cold ass mountain. <laughs> yeah, sure. Huh, let me think. Well, if I have a week, I have enough time to chop down the tree, carve it up into boards, treat the wood, I guess. What and are you treating it with? Yeti pee? 
Sure, I got piss. I'd probably do something. I don't know. I got squirrel guts. Uh, <laughs> swinging swing him out of the tree. Whap, 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 whap. It'll probably work. I'm going to build a toboggan. Okay. That's fair. Why are you that's looking so one way, disappointed? That's one way to get down All right. the hill. Okay. What, that's are, good. what, what are good. you saying? I'm saying you could get down the hill faster. You know, Than a toboggan? Because if you f- take the time to make a toboggan, it takes you longer. So you'll get down fast once it's built. Uh-huh. But to get down faster... All you need is one stick, one, one plank, stick. and you just stand on it. It's called snowboarding, Mark. Uh, I knew where you were going with this like five <laughs> minutes ago. I just didn't want to help you get there. <laughs> That's pretty classic for our relationship. Yeah, yeah, friends. yeah. I, I still don't think that a, a snowboard of that type would be any quicker to make than a toboggan. No, you're t- you're tying them on with squirrels. <laughs> the squirrel guts are your laces. I guess I don't exactly have nails or wood glue, so I guess, I, yeah, you're right. Okay. This episode is brought to you by New Balance. You don't have to be an elite athlete when you pound the pavement. Whether you've run five marathons or you only run when necessary, whether you're chased by bears, zombies, monsters, the apocalypse is coming, but New Balance will have you covered regardless. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance, run your way. Visit newbalance.com slash running to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. You know, all those subscription websites, they just hide those charges from you. They're hidden and repetitive and you forget about them. Oh, I know exactly which websites you're talking about. The ones that you like to go to. You do? I've literally spent so long digging through my finances. Rocket Money can help cancel your subscriptions. You're saying Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you can grow grow your savings? Absolutely, yes. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses? Uh-huh, yeah. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for me? Up to 20%? Maybe. But for our listeners, definitely yes. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash sportsteam. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-A-M. That's rocketmoney.com slash sports team this episode is brought to you by state farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbor state farm is there they've got options to fit your unique insurance needs meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need have coverage options to protect the things you value most file a claim right on the state farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, have you ever skied or snowboarded before? I've skied, yes. yes. How'd yes. that go? Uh, uh, not great. <laughs> <laughs> and especially not great for my brother, but, you know, uh, we we had Perfect North, I believe. You, we, we I've gone to Perfect North, yeah. Yeah, but haven't we gone at the same time every once in a while? I don't know if we have. Like, there was Ski Club. I, I was never like a part a, of Ski Club. Never mind then. Screw you. Okay. And, but I was with the cool kids or something. Like Listen, that. I learned to ski when I was three. So God, you want to hear a sad story about like in, in going to Perfect North? You know that it, what is his name? The exchange student that stayed with uh, at my house. Fuck, what was his name? I don't oh. remember. He was from Germany or something like that. Yeah, he never talked to me. He, was, he was the one who wrestled, right? Maybe. Um, yeah. I, yeah. See, I don't remember. See, he stayed in I my can't house. His name. And I never talked to him because my brother went to Germany and he stayed here as an exchange student. And he was like the cool kid. 
All the girls in our school thought he was so cute. And then, well, he was really tall. Yes, he was tall. He was cute. Uh, whatever. And then at first, like he was friendly to me. And then he was like realized that I was the nerd in school, <laughs> which I wasn't <laughs> even like the biggest nerd. But for some reason, wherever I went and he was there to see it, I was like the biggest nerd. You know, I was car- <laughs> like with my brace and glass, push up a glass with my trumpet case, going, "Hey, what's going on?" <sighs> and then, uh, like, uh, I went to Perfect North. And I remembered he was there too. I don't, he didn't go in the same time, but he just so happened to be there. And mm-hmm. I went, hey! <laughs> you know, like I do. <laughs> and he looked at me and then averted his eyes. And I felt that in my soul. <sighs> I felt that. I was like, oh God. <laughs> I like felt so rejected at that moment. Was that your affirmation of like, I am the biggest nerd? <laughs> yes, exactly. That was it. That was the time when I was like, no, no. I thought you could bring me out of this hole. I thought you could help me. And then like, but it was this weird thing because I don't remember anything after that because he literally stayed at the house. And I was like, I never talked to the guy. (laughs) I remember him Mm -hmm. because we wrestled and me and him actually got along. But I remember he decided to approach me one day and be like, Tyler, did you know what your last name means? (laughs) No. It was a great story. I'm not going to say what it means. All right, fair enough. All right, so hmm. skiing didn't go great for you. Hmm. Now imagine if you were on both legs were strapped to one board. Uh-huh. Yeah, I never got to try snowboarding, you know. Do you feel like you'd do better than skiing with boarding or no? I feel like I would feel cooler. I don't know if it'd be easier, but I have no idea. They're just like different skills. Do you think you could do it, especially now with like your electronic unicycle? And oh my stuff God, you're I'm to incredible do? at everything. I could definitely do it. Yeah, if you really wanted to. If I wanted to, if I wanted to do it, I could do anything. I'm now, just incredible. Now, what about launching in the air and doing sick flips and spins? I do that every morning. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, man, of course. Well, before we get into the snowboarding primer, mm. here's some fun and interesting facts about snowboarding. Okay. Snowboarding was initially referred to as snurfing. <laughs> No. Shut yes. up. Shut yes. up. Is snow surfing? Snow surfing. <laughs> snurfing. Snurfing. I'm glad they changed that name because that would be the dweeb sport if that was still called <laughs> snurfing. Snowboard companies that really exploded and thrived were due to a lot of viral videos. Oh, so it really is recent. Yes. So snowboarding companies had mastered the art of creating viral videos before YouTube came into existence. Weird. I thought that snowboarding existed longer than that, but if they are in the era of videos? It's still relatively new sport, yeah. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Weird. In the 1980s, snowboarding was outlawed in ski resorts. Outlawed? Yep. Due to its nature, it was frowned upon because snowboarding attracted many youths which made it appear oh. like a teen craze. Oh, youths on As opposed mountain. to the prestigious skiing. Charles, that was an Olympic sport. Charles, there's youths on the mountain. We can't have those oh. children here. Oh, one of them swiped my shot today. Oh, God. I just I can't believe it. That's so snobby. That's so goddamn snobby. That might be the most snobby thing I've ever heard. That's ridiculous. Yep. All right. Snowboarding is actually more dangerous compared to skiing. I would believe that, yeah. Because snowboarders utilize their bodies differently than skiers, they still require a lot of strength and balance, but it is generally riskier based on how you fall, especially when suffering injuries to ankles, shoulders, and wrists. I would imagine that because I don't know how easily the boots come off of a snowboard. 
Uh, Far less easy than skis. That's what I was saying. Because like skis are like when I was went to Perfect North, they had three rankings. So like beginner, intermediate, and expert skis. The expert ones they don't pop off that easy. Yeah. Um, the beginner ones will fly off because you, you, you don't took know. a turn too fast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that happened a lot to me. <laughs> oh God, those are the worst wrecks. Yeah. Did, did I ever tell you about the one time that I wrecked? I was going down. Um, it was the whatever trail was just to the right of the center trail. It's like a blue whatever. I yeah, don't know. yeah. The center I, trail was a black diamond, and I went down and I it's there's like one little hill and then there's a right path around it that goes fast and I went around the right path and I didn't know how to slow down at the time and I just kept going and I was going faster and I was like whoa god I don't know what I'm doing what is happening to me pizza pizza pizza, pizza. I, try. I couldn't pizza I couldn't get my legs to go out because too fast in the momentum and then I hit a patch of ice oh and my skis went <laughs> and I went to my knees like and I was scraping on the ice on my knees going the same speed oh Oh God! And then, as soon as the ice hit the snow again, I face forward, <laughs> pivoted right into the goddamn snow as hard as it could in my face. And it was like my arms were down at my side because I was so shocked. My skis were gone, and I was just on my knees like. Aah! Yeah, so that was not a good time. You get back up and just have a mouthful of snow. Well, uh, more blood, but <laughs> <laughs> bloody snow. Mmm, treats, snow cone. <laughs> The National Snowboarding Championship has been prevailing for the last 33 years. Mm. So, snurfing competitions were held in the 1970s, but uh, snowboarding competitions eventually were introduced in the 1980s. I see. Okay. Um, and by 1983, Tom Sims, one of the creators of the Halfpipe, organized the World Halfpipe Competition, was held in California. And so, the first World Cup was later held in 1985 in Austria. Mm. The inaugural snowboarding Olympic medal nearly went up in smoke. Mm. due to a disqualification. To celebrate his victory, Ross smoked a joint and went on to become a mar uh, medical marijuana crusader. But because of that, he failed his blood test for marijuana, and that's why he almost lost his medal. Yeah, because we all know that weed is a performance-enhancing drug. Man. Definitely going to get you up and active. And in the last 40 years, more than 10 snowboarding styles have emerged. 10 different snowboarding styles. 10 different? How many different? What? what, what, what? Is it like different types of boards or different types of riding? Different boards, different types of riding, uh, different events, all of the stuff put together. Hmm. So okay. now we actually lead into history. Those are just the fun facts to, you know, just kind of kick us off. Hmm. So. Snurfing. Snurfing, okay. The beginning. Yeah. This is act one. All right. So skiing has been a method of transportation since prehistoric times. Okay. And a competitive sport for more than a century. In contrast, skiing's general younger, hipper counterpoint, snowboarding, didn't begin to emerge until the 1960s, after surfing and skateboarding had already gained mainstream popularity. So, after they saw that people took surfing to the streets, they're like, I wonder, can we bring surfing to the snow? Mm. So, surfing is quite old. Native Americans and all other Polynesian islands have been surfing for hundreds of years before the idea of riding waves on a long wooden board came to the United States mm -hmm. and became popular for American teenagers in California and beyond. Um, that happened in the early 20th century. But by the late 50s, tennis began. Hold on. By the late 50s, teens began well, I was attaching. About to say, <laughs> tennis. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a second. Tennis what did this took do? over surfing when they got surf tennis out there on the waves and bapping the ball back and forth. There's no greater joy. It became snurfus. Snurfus. Got snurfus. Snurfus or nothing. It's snurfus. By the late 50s, teens began attaching wheels to boards so they could surf sidewalks, which is what inspired that. And the Beach Boys obviously sang about it sidewalk surfing. 
Mm, okay. So, obviously, like I said, if teens could ride waves and now sidewalks, why not snow? Makes sense. So Sherman Poppin, Sherman American Poppin. inventor, Hell yeah. was thinking just that when he decided to bound together a pair of children's skis in the mid-60s, and he attached a string to the tip to create the first snurfer or snowboard. So it was kind of like a standing sled. Hmm. Okay. But he just took two skis, put them together, and he did it just for his daughter. Hmm. But just as it was not clear who came up with the idea of skateboarding, it's also a mystery of who first tried to bring the idea of surfing to winter sports. But Poppin is the one that stands out as the first person to market snowboards with his dubbed term that his wife came up with, snurfer. The toy proved to be popular with his daughter and thus eventually came to the idea of licensing it to a manufacturer. Brunswick Corporation then sold about a million snurfers over the last the next decade. And in 1966 alone, over half a million were Damn, sold. Damn, that's a lot. Yeah, this is before major internet. That's a sudden explosion in number of toys. Yeah. Like if you started a business and you sold half a million of something, that's a really successful business. I can't imagine selling half a million of anything. Yeah, I know, right? What could we make? Buy our merch. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most intimidating pitch I've ever heard. Buy our merch. Son of a bitch. You better. I'll find you. I'll... (laughs) Make you buy our merch. <laughs> <laughs> Twist my arm. <laughs> yeah, store.gmfsd.com. Anyway. So by this time, you know, it was popular. And by February of 1968, innovation began. Poppin organized the first snurfing competition at a Michigan ski resort that attracted enthusiasts from all over the country. One of those early pioneers happened to be Tom Sims. Tom Sims. Who was a prolific skateboarder. Okay. In the 1960s, as an eighth grader in Haydenfield, New Jersey, Tom Sims crafted a snowboard in his school shop class um, by gluing carpet to a piece of wood and attaching aluminum sheets to the bottom. Interesting. Okay. So he just basically it's like created a carpeted floor, but then put aluminum on the bottom. And it's like, here we go. Sure. Is it like wood in between, carpet on the top, aluminum on the bottom? So it's nice and cushy where yeah. he's riding, mm-hmm. and then it's smooth on the bottom. And it gives you that little bit of extra grip, you know, when you try and turn and Yeah, stuff. we squeeze the fibers between your toes because everyone snowboards bare feet, right? Exactly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that, This is the primer. What we say is law here, everybody. You don't know sports. We do. That's the rule. You twisted them around your toes, and that's how you <laughs> held on for... <laughs> It's all about toe strength when it comes down to snurfing. (laughs) Snurfing is about toes. So in 1976, Welsh skateboard enthusiast John Roberts and Pete Matthews Mm -hmm. developed their own snowboards to use at their local dry ski slope, which is basically a ski slope that's not snow. Okay. Oftentimes some people use like sand dunes, they'll ski and snowboard on that, but very interesting. Mm -hmm. The dry ski slope that they used... Most of the time is generally uh, like an artificial ski slope. It's used using materials that are stable at room temperature, so you don't have to worry about freezing temperatures. Some people use carpeting, like some artificial turfs. There's like, have you ever watched those videos of people like practicing in when they're not in snowy country, uh, snowy climates where they go indoors and there's like this moving surface, like if they're blowing air and you're like going across it? No, I've never heard it's of that. It's so no. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You should check it out. Those videos are fun. Right now. But that's not not right now. But I'm just saying that's how you kind of emulate going down a ski slope without having snow. Okay. And then in 1977, Jake Burton Carpenter, who is a Vermont native, he was the creator of Burton Snowboards, which is one of the most popular brands today. Mm -hmm. 
He enjoyed snurfing since the age of 14, and he impressed a crowd at a Michigan snurfing competition with bindings he had designed to secure his feet to the board. Oh. So you can see this innovation as we continue down this line. Like, it's like, how do I grip the board better? How do I adjust this? How do I make it go faster? You know, the aluminum, the carpet to the actual foot binding. Yeah. Whereas people before, they just, they literally relied on just the toe grip. And just they a didn't little string. A, they had a string at the yeah. front? That was the snurf board. It's got a string at the tips of the. I forgot the about the board. string. I remember you mentioned the string. I didn't think that stuck with the further designs of this thing. <laughs> well, I mean, as they, that's, it was still on the carpeted one by Tom Sims. Yeah. It wasn't until Burton did it that they created bindings. The same year he founded Burton Snowboards in uh, Londonbury, Vermont. All right. Easy enough. These snowboards were made of wooden planks that were flexible and had water ski foot traps, much like, uh, have you ever water skied? It's like kind of like a rubber thing that you just stick I your foot not. into. I have no. Have you ever worn like slip-on shoes? It's like slippers glued onto a piece yeah. of wood. Okay, yeah, I get you. yeah, I get yeah. You. And there's a little like rubber flap that you put behind your heel, uh, and that's kind of how the bindings were. Like a croc, if you will. Yeah, but okay. it's not like... It's attached. It's not like on a hinge like oh, the Crocs I see, are. I, see. I was like trying to, how do I describe this? <laughs> so very few people picked up snowboarding because the price of the board was considered too high at $38. Oh, whoa, my God. But on top of it, they weren't allowed on many ski hills. But eventually Burton would become the biggest snowboarding company in the business. Mm, okay. It wasn't until 1982 that snowboards were allowed on an official ski resort, the first one being in Vermont, due in a large part to Jake Burton's efforts the resort was called suicide six resort great in Pomfret, vermont so it was the first ski resort to allow snowboarding good why was it called suicide i don't know man i don't know uh, you know i don't want to know all right moving on so this was in 1983 they were on the first resort in 1985 only 39 out of over 600 u.s ski resorts allowed snowboarders and it wasn't until the later 90s, like 1998, where it became a massive allowance to be able to what snowboard. What made on the ski resorts so goddamn hoity-toity? So, um, what is it about it? There's a couple of different things. The way a snowboard affects the snow is distinctly different. No, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about why are ski resorts full of these rich ass? But why? It's but not even that impressive. It's, it's like it's like the golf clubs. You know, you gotta you gotta wear the proper uniform. You gotta be. <sighs> you gotta fit in. You gotta do the right things. It's just up in a mountain. You go up a mountain. You go down the mountain. It's just like how is that so? Why does that where rich people flock to? Like, I just don't get it. I don't know. As a skier who's been skiing for a lot of my a lot of my time, mm-hmm. learning how to be able to deal with snowboarders on the slopes, it, there's a learning curve because skiers, there's a certain way that you ski. Mm. And granted, at the same time, there are bad skiers too that are just as bad. Mm. But like the biggest problem I think came in with snowboarders were doing stuff like tricks on benches and, you know, similar stuff that like what skateboarding was doing, mm. that it affected property. It affected the slopes. They would they would dig holes to do ramps. They would do things that were out of the ordinary for skiers, where skiers would enjoy the slopes and do moguls. A lot of times snowboarders would go over the moguls and ruin moguls. Mm. And so it was a pain to deal with for people to understand. There's always a barrier entry when something new happens, people are resistant to it. And it wasn't until people started to actually understand each other and figure out the sport themselves that then it was like, okay, yeah, like if you guys, you know, understand what where we're coming from and we try and understand where you're coming from, we can find a common ground and work together. Okay, I guess. I still think those rich douchebags just like going up in their mountains and their ski resorts and blah, 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 blah. Who cares? (laughs) So 
The modern snowboard, so this is the construction of a modern snowboard. There are six layers to the basic sandwich construction of a snowboard now. Okay. So you have your top sheet. It's made of plastic, nylon, or wood composite and protects the inside layers of the board uh, and allows you for, to have like space for graphics and design, glossy uh, or matte. The base layer under the top sheet is then fiberglass to add strength and stiffness. At the core is the middle section of the board typically made of hardwood to allow more flexibility, but it also can be made of more exotic materials such as Kevlar and <laughs> aluminum. Is this another situation where baby me is going to have to make my own snowboard? You got to make your own snowboard, man. I got to build my own Listen, Thames cord. Tom I make Sims my own... did it. <laughs> I guess Burton you're right. Did this it. is the first primary where there's been evidence of the people making their own. So I guess you're right. I really got to. You really got to know it. All right? That's why you started this all with me on the top of the mountain with the polite yes. Yeti. I have to make my own. There oh. you go. Okay. It all comes together. Wow. Season two is revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> You know all my tricks. <laughs> then underneath the core is another layer of fiberglass to, again, additional strength and stiffness. Then you got to focus on the edges of the board. Mm. These are usually sharp, used for carving into the icy snow or thickly packed snow. Mm. Um, they're made of steel that run along the length of the board along both sides and around the toe and the heel. Okay. They help hold all of the layers together while also allowing you to have those critical points for turning and navigating. And the sharpened edges are often critical to navigating turns and jumps on extremely icy surfaces. Okay. The base, this is the final bottom, is a porous plastic layer made of P-Tex. Brand name is synonymous with snowboard bases. It's apparently a massive thing. Mm -hmm. um, it's an abrasion-resistant polyurethane plastic um, and is waxed to make it that slipperiness mm -hmm. surface okay. and to keep it smooth. Kind of like a surfboard. They wax it. Yes, I think they do. It's because you have to, it uses it to use the water's chemistry against it. It's uh, polarity mm. so that it can glide along the top without having it being absorbed into the board. Mm. Creates like a hybrid hydrophobic layer. That's the word I was looking for. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. There are two types of bases, extruded, which is long-lasting and durable, but holding the least amount of wax, and it is the slowest of the three base types. Wait, it said there were two base types. Why does it say three later? <laughs> Don't question it. Don't question it, Tyler. Uh, it's often it. the best choice for the novice and occasional snowboarder. Okay. And centered, which is your porous base that absorbs wax well and is faster than the extruded base, but more expensive to repair, so if damage has happened. So a lot of the professionals will use the centered one. All right. So now we get into the third part of act one. Mm. Early competitions. Early on, the only competition that could really take place were races, similar to that of downhill skiing. So they had downhill and solemn events and even combined for what was called the overall. But as innovations came and more new riders joined, more jumping and tricks started becoming a part of the sport. Mm -hmm. Okay. Early competitions served as the meeting ground to show off new tricks and to explore and expand the sport, to come up with new ideas. Where was it before? Because I know it was skiing, in Olympic skiing anyway. You got like the downhill and you mm -hmm. got your little flags you go through and you get the Yeti that chases you down and tries to kill you and eat yeah. your bones. But where was it before for snowboarding? It must have been similar kind of events. But then they realized that like the snowboarding couldn't really be judged on the same metrics or something like that. Or they just wanted to be cooler and do tricks. Well, because of the way skateboarding and surfing works, they do tricks. Skiing was just about speed and going fast and doing all of that. So as they their founding fathers and the sports they looked at did those things, they obviously brought them over. Obviously, with Tom Sims being a massive skateboarding person, they started doing more and more tricks, and it started becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. 
Gotcha. So this eventually led to the leaders of that time to create new events at competitions, such as the half pipe. The half pipe. Was it, uh, I imagine it was invented in skateboarding before it was invented in snowboarding, correct? I would think so. There's no particular details that point to which one came first in the research I have in front of me. And apparently this website that I was using before is no longer working. So anyway, the first major event was uh, uh, Ski Cooper. It hosted his name Ski Cooper. Ski Cooper is the name of the resort. Oh, I thought this was a guy. No. I thought it was a guy named Ski Cooper. Uh, wait, no, okay. wait. It is a guy named I Ski know, Cooper. It, 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 You're right. <laughs> After Ski Cooper hosted snowboarding's first competition in 1981, the King of the Mountain contest was held in April at Berthoon Pass for the following two years. Additionally, the original competition spawned even more events throughout the country. By 1982, the USA National Snowboard Race was held near Woodstock in Vermont at Suicide Six. The race, organized by Graves, was won by Burton's first team with rider Doug Booten. Doug Booten and Ski Connor. Cooper. Ski, Ski Cooper. Ski Johnson. With Snurf Man, ja- we'll cut all this up. I can't. Don't. Nineteen eighty-three, Boothound Pass features the Sims Challenge. Anyone who could beat Tom Sims through the Solemn Gates would win a free Sims snowboard. But no one was able to beat Sims at the Solemn events at the competition in nineteen eighty-three. Included Solemn Freestyle and Expression, which is the first time they were doing tricks. Mm. Sims decided to open the first World Snowboarding Championships in 1983 at Soda Springs Ski Bowl in California, and this was the first ever snowboard halfpipe contest. However, the event was controversial, and Burton's team threatened to boycott the competition because they felt that the halfpipe riding had nothing to do with snowboarding, even though now Burton boards are synonymous with some of the World Championship halfpipe competitors and that just way be you complain about something you're known for forever yep and half pipe is now and henceforth often considered the most popular snowboarding event Hmm. 1984 the pass hosts the contest again and an invitational along with video replays and awards ceremony for freestyle expression and half pipe events Hmm. and that's when they began allowing snowboarders at the skier area even not during such events and by 1985, the World Cup occurred in Austria. As Dave Alden remembers, Sims was running the championships as well as competing and winning events, which put Sims in a tight position. But he eventually let the battle go when they relocated the event to Soda Springs Ski Bowl and to Breckenridge in 1986. I'm bored. Cool. I want to snowboard. I want to go down the mountain real fast. Why is this? I'm starting to understand what the Jacuzzi person meant. Why well, do we care about Bob Dick and Smith when I want to go down on the snow? All right, b- all right, snow. all right. Why all right. I want to go down. You literally got to this point and we're at act two. Well, Goddamn. I, <laughs> I have great timing, I guess. I'm like, hold up, hold up. We're there now. Oh, We're wait there a minute. Now. Wait a minute. That accent. Are you the Yeti that was accosting me at the no, beginning of this? I could never be that. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. When your personal care routine needs a refresh, Dr. Squatch is here to help. They have high performing natural products with no harmful ingredients that'll have you looking and smelling your best. Like the Bay Rum Soap and Deodorant, it smells delightfully spicy. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Spotify or use the code Spotify at checkout. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Events in the modern day. Okay, Act fine. Two. All right, all right. Giant parallel slalom. What the hell is that? So this was the original Winter Olympics snowboarding event featured only an individual giant solemn along with the half pipe. But after 1988, it was scrapped in favor of a parallel version. All right. Competitors are pitted against each other in a head to head format as they race down two parallel tracks, okay. two parallel solemns uh-huh. dotted with evenly spaced turning gates. Are they equal obstacles? Yes. They're the same things across yes. the board. Okay. Yes. All right. So there's 27 meters between each gate. There's a scope for racers to build speeds up to 43 miles per hour. Ooh. It's a breathless race to the finish to scoop the gold medal. Scoop? It's on the ground? They got to scoop it up? Yes. This really? was the giant. Really? Yeah, 100%. It's just on the ground. No. Oh, it's just man, time, man. You can't it's do time. that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go down it's the like, mountain. You got to go down the mountain. All right. All right. But clearly, like, okay, just a just, uh, sidebar. Clearly, if this is my first time skiing, I'm not going into a competition right Correct. away. Because if I was someone that didn't know anything about snowboarding, this is what I'm thinking because this is what I'm hearing. I'm, I don't, I, I'd be intimidated yep. if I didn't know any better. But if you want to try snowboarding, you don't go right into a competition. No. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. You learn the basics of being able to balance on the board, carve, turn, stop. Very important to learn to stop. <laughs> to learn to stop. Yeah, that is important. Okay. And it's very similar to how you do it with skateboarding. Okay. It's kind of like a lean and pivot with your feet. I've heard that uh, one wheeling is very similar to snowboarding more than it is skateboarding because of the kind of like way your feet are positioned and kind of like the balance of it all. And the more you're carving into the street like this. So I've heard, I haven't done it yet, but. Yeah, I, I imagine eventually. I imagine it has the same kind of feel to turn. You're kind of like pushing your heel down and pushing one direction to kind of get would, the board flat. I wouldn't even know. I've never snowboarded, so I wouldn't have any idea. Yeah, I've tried it briefly for a moment, and I was like, skiing's for me. It's mm. more comfortable. All right. Uh, the other event is parallel slalom, which is the same principles as giant slalom, except the turning gates are only 8 to 15 meters distance apart, and they must perform a rapid series of incredibly tight turns, displaying an impressive level of technical ability in order to beat their opponent. Again, still side-by-side, side, same tracks racing each this other. This feels like it was written by the snooty guy in the cabin in there because I can't imagine any single, like Sean White, I couldn't imagine he wrote something like this <laughs> to describe how he was snowboarding down the mountain. Like it was eight meters. What was it? Eight meters and... Eight to 15 meters between the gates. You got to go through the gates. It's got to be the... It's a heart-stopping race to the finish where you got to scoop the gold medal. Very important. You know, Sean White, he talks like that, yeah. We haven't even gotten to Sean White's type of competition. Uh, all right, okay. Snowboard cross, which is one of the newest events to be featured in the Olympics and modern competitions, made its debut in 2014 and is arguably the most exciting Winter Olympic sporting event. Okay. It's a downhill race competition featuring four boarders all at once. Mm. They're all on a track 
you can run into each other incidentally. And there then can they be incidental combat. Then they trigger an avalanche behind Just them. Just with dynamite. They go down four races. Last one to survive at the end <laughs> wins the gold. The Yeti is riding the avalanche, chasing them down, <laughs> hungry, licking his it's, chops. It's weird if they look back, the avalanche just starts to form eyes. It's like it's like in the mummy when the sand became like <laughs> and he just oh, eats them. But it's a downhill race featuring the Ford at once who must navigate a narrow course filled with jumps, drops, Whoa. and cambered turns and other obstacles designed to put the competitors' technical abilities to the test. That does sound rad as hell. Yeah. That sounds super cool. Yeah, and so one of the key things in it is you don't want to take a jump too high because you lose momentum. So there's like absorbing of the hills that goes into know. it. It's really, really fun to watch. Okay. We haven't talked about roller derby yet, but it reminds me of roller derby, but less like violent. How do they film it? Do they have snowboards cameramen like alongside the tracks just doing the same thing as I, fast I as they can? I imagine before they had, the, usually they do the cables like we talked about in uh, football and um, soccer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I imagine early on they just skied alongside. Probably. Because, I mean, like, how else would you do it? Have you seen the Olympic, the, the, the track videographers, the cameramen for track? No. They are running. Alongside the sprinters. There's no yes. way. That's a joke. Yes. No, no look is it up. that real? That's real. No, there's no yes, way they're is. not running. They're there's, running. That's, yes. It's, there's, it's how would they run as fast? They can't. They get a head start, my guy. Oh my God, that's hilarious because it just like there's so many TikToks of like, you know, the flash running and thinking he's the fastest man on earth and then the camera. And yeah. they're like, <laughs> no, it's an actual thing. That's hilarious. That's so funny. They don't give him a cart or anything. You got to run. <laughs> that's so funny. Like, uh, there's, there are places that have like a camera on the tracks, but uh, there are so many events where you see a cameraman actually sprinting with a camera next God, to the runners. The stabilization on that camera better be good. <laughs> that's all I got to say. Or that person can run like perfectly steady. It's, it's one of those things where they never cut to that shot because in the control room, they see that picture in their little screen just going, blah, 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 just like absolutely nothing getting in shot. And they're like, good job, George. You, uh, you got it. You got it. Get ready for the next one. I'm just waiting for the Olympics where they're like about to put it on like Usain Bolt. And then they go, no, the camera guy. <laughs> He really was fast. He was fast, that guy. Yeah. All so right. the name for snowboard cross actually was inspired from motocross because of the similarities shared of the courses in the two sports. I was going to say, it did sound similar. Yeah. yeah, motocross being like jumps and stuff around a track, but it's down a mountain. There's no circular mountains, you know? Yep. This is the one that Sean White is most known prominently for, mm -hmm. the half pipe. You already mentioned this. Yeah. But this is how it's played. So snowboarding meets skateboarding in this individual scored event, which means skateboarding had to have come first for the half pipe. Borders begin at the summit of the end of one semicircular ditch up to 6.7 meters deep, mm. which is like... It's like 21 feet. Yeah. Something like that. Probably more than that. It's probably like 24 feet. 6.7 meters? Yeah. Awesome. Each meter is three feet, three inches. Ish. It's about so twenty-four. Well, six six point seven seven times three would be twenty-one. Six point seven times three would be twenty. Uh, about twenty even. Okay, twenty-two. Twenty-two. I 22. bet. I bet it's closer to twenty-one. I bet it's closer to twenty-two. I'm gonna look it up right now. You no, son of a 22. bitch. You asshole. What's uh six point seven? Six point seven meters to feet. All right. Twenty-one point nine. You were. Oh. Twenty-two, <laughs> but it's, it's still twenty-one. Okay, twenty-two. Right, right, right. Right. I said 24 initially, yeah, so I'll give it to you. 
So they then perform a series of tricks and jumps as they traverse the length. Rather than being timed, competitors are given a score from a panel of judges upon the variety and complexity of the tricks attempted. Oh, you know how I feel about judges. Oh, yeah. We here at GMFST hate judges, right? I think they're they're not a good determinant of victory. Exactly, yeah. Because there's cognitive bias that can occur. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So they're judged, and they're given points based on their execution of the trick, their landing, how difficult that trick was rated, mm -hmm. and even the height that they get off of the half pipe. You know, they might as well put audience scores in there. Like, just, like, vote 1 I, to 10 how cool you thought that trick was. I honestly think that that has begun becoming an innovation in snowboarding. Oh, really? I feel like when I was watching the, the half pipe event this last Winter Olympics, I saw them showing like audience, other people like score ratings based on stuff. But I'm not certain if it was like official or if it was just for fun. Mm, okay. Next comes slope style, which is another event making only its had its second outing at the Winter Olympics this past year. Uh, slope style is one of the freestyle disciplines and sees athletes navigating a downhill course dotted with jumps, rails, and other features that they can do tricks on. Competitors are judged on the difficulty of the tricks they attempt, how wide they pull them off, and the height they reach on their jumps. Again, this is rooted similarly in skateboarding and actually BMX, and recently has become a massive Olympic snowboarding roster because there's some strategy involved. They have to pick what trick they're going to do. They have to pick what obstacle they're going to use and the path that they take to get to the bottom of the hill because you only have like three different things you can choose from at each layer of the hill. Yeah. Um, with a like a massive big jump at the bottom. Mm, big jump. How big? Pretty big. You know. <laughs> you know, what do you mean pretty a big? Couple houses. You're the one with the masters. A couple houses. What? What house? <laughs> houses vary degree. What? Like a, like a two story house is probably about that tall. A couple of those? Yeah, just wide, oh not not stacked on. This each is other. the most unscientific measurement I've ever. Heard. I didn't. It's not measured on here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. The last event that I have here is called Big Air. Big Air. Where they slide down a 49 meter tall ramp. So like it curls jump. up at the end. It launches them basically straight in the sky. We're what? Yeah, it's not ski jump. It's like maximum height. It's super curved. Um, they just go up. Do they come down? They come down. They they land on a slope, but it's it's nearly vertical. They don't get sent fully vertical. I'm looking massive. at a video right now. They're going down, going down, 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 down. There's a ramp. Here's a ramp. And you, that's so not vertical. That's not what well, you, that, it, is a, that looks very much like ski jump. I don't know what you were just talking about. You said it was going straight up. It clearly went out and needed flippy flips. Okay. It was pretty cool. On. Don't get me wrong. It was very cool. There is a cameraman on skis. There's a cameraman <laughs> on skis. Yes. No, this looks more vertical than what 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 what, look, what look ski at, jump is. No, no, it's it's not. Look, it is is not. Look at what what I'm seeing. When you're looking from the bottom. No, look at this here. That's not vertical at all. That's a ski jump. Okay, right that's there. like that's more than forty five degrees. That's closer to what vertical. Is, I don't even know what ski jump angle is so maybe i'm mistaken about that but i'm more excited ski jumps about distance this is about height okay i'm more excited about the the fact that there is a cameraman on skis like that just really that's fair that's fair that makes me very excited so they get launched in the air they do as many insane tricks as they possibly can while they're in the air and it's all about that one jump the one big spectacular stunt and so they're scored on the difficulty of the trick execution amplitude how high they get. Amplitude? Altitude? Amplitude. 
Uh, amplitude? Amplitude. This is about the height of the jump, about going as high as possible. It isn't always the best play. So mm. amplitude is designated. You got to try and find that sweet spot. Oh, the sweet spot. And then the landing. Obviously, landing with control and smoothness. Of course. Can't have not that. That's act two. Major events. There are a bunch of other different styles of snowboarding as well. But now we get into the tricks. And this is where I get to send you the link. The link. Okay, I get. So you the get link. to look at videos, right? Okay, so this is baby me getting inspired to do snowboarding. This is what my my parents have assigned for me to do. This is my calling in life, and it all starts from this video I'm being sent right here. Yes, this is the so, entire primer. Oh, you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom. Oh, boring. Listen, oh my god, oh, so hard, man. Just as it's uh, American inventor German Poppin was thinking just that so when he bound down. together a set of children's keys. <laughs> all right, how far? How far? It's down at the V. It says v. tricks. Okay, how to ollie on a snowboard? Okay. Can you? So tricks. The most simple tricks consist of frontside and backside rotations. Backside tricks are usually the reverse iterations of the frontside trick. Uh, so the first thing you learn on a snowboard, if you're getting into tricks, uh, after you get to the point of you can control, you can balance, you can carve, you can control your trajectory, is learning how to jump. And jumping requires an understanding of pressing and balance to get good air. You have to press back and launch hmm okay describe what you're seeing it does look like a skateboard ollie you kind of go up on the front first and then you lift your knees to pull the board the rest of the way so it's less about jumping straight from a flat it's more about like kind of like scooping back putting your weight on your back foot so you're kind of like leveraging it and then as it pulls up Use then the... you yeah then you spring off of that back foot and then lift yep you okay. use the springiness of the board to be able to help you elevate to greater heights. I see, I see. Now we get into the 180. The 180, okay. This is where you rotate 180 degrees. Oh, no. So you go from right, right foot forward or left foot forward to the opposite foot forward. Okay, this is good, this is good. So the front side 180, you rotate towards your front side. So if you're looking at the person on the from the top and the direction they're going downhill is the direction you're, it's 12 o'clock. You're rotating counterclockwise. Okay. You're doing a footy shifty. You go shifty foot forward and shifty foot backwards. Correct. As easy as that. Now the backside is the opposite direction. So you're going clockwise if you're viewing from the top again. And it's slightly more difficult than the front side because you have to press a little bit differently. Mm. And the way you twist your body is a little harder Okay. for some people. Got I honestly it. think a backside's easier for me, but... I wouldn't know either way. You should publish this. This is uh, You should put this on the Discord. Or, I do. Or, uh, I post the links for the, the tricks and stuff at the oh, end uh, yeah. when the primer posts over on the Reddit. It gets put on oh, the Reddit. Oh, good. The yield subreddit. So if you guys want to know basic snowboarding tricks, definitely watch these. Uh, they are very informative. Yep. Next, we get into the indie grab. These are collectively getting more difficult. Uh, the front side indie grab is you're jumping and grabbing the front side of your board midair. All it is is grabbing the board. It's just called an indie grab. Uh -huh. It becomes a melon grab when you grab backwards, like you lean back and grab towards your butt. So. I see. So literally what I'm seeing is they do the ollie off of a ramp here, and then they bend down, probably not tilting forward because it would throw you off balance. You bend with your knees, go straight down, grab the front or grab the back, and you look super cool. Yep, and you can add rotations to that to make it an indie grab 360 or a melon 360 mm. or however many times you spin remember indie is the front because indiana jones was always thinking forward melon is back because you're shitting the melon 
Easy as that. Easy, easy explanation. Easy. Now the shifty is interesting because you're switching directions midair. So you jump, turn your board 90 degrees midair, and then shift it back the same direction it was. So you're just you're not doing rotating. A, you're doing a ratchet kind of like you're going left and then you're coming back to straight. Yes. You're not turning your body in any way. You're just going. Yes. Okay. So there's a front side where you move towards your front and a back side where you move towards your back. Mm. Now the 360 is easily explained. You just spin 360 degrees around. Easy. Front flip and back flip. Obvious. When you think about it, do you think they cartwheel? Because they don't. You flip forward. You flip straight over? Yeah. So when you do a front flip, you go off the ramp and you flip this way. Oh, okay. So imagine there's a hot dog flying through the air. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of flipping end over end, everybody, picture that hot dog in your head. It's just spiraling along its axis. So imagine now you put a man on the hot dog and then it's spinning around its axis. That guy goes zoom, zoom. Yeah, like it's that. called like an air cartwheel or something. Why didn't I say a football? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't know like a spiral. Hot oh, dog works. Man. Hot dog Hot works. dog's good. Hot dog got it good in my head. Yeah, so you launch off and then you flip backwards okay. or forwards for All front right. or back flip. Now the cork. This is considered the hardest, one of the hardest tricks that came out. Okay. It's constantly being used. Um, becomes a triple cork 1440 is one of the most difficult tricks that's used out there. So it's an off-axis rotation. You're not rotating like you would in a flip, and you're not rotating like you would in kind of like a cartwheel fashion. It's like weirdly in between. Mm-hmm. And it involves grabbing the board as well. And you add spins to increase the difficulty. So like a triple cork 1440 is four full rotations and three off-axis flips. Hmm. And you're watching... Um, I'm watching a Yumu Hirano landing the first triple cork in an Olympic halfpipe. Ever. Ever. Pretty cool, I think. Insane, right? The the amount of flips and... It looked nuts. I don't have any metric of comparison, but it looked pretty crazy. Sean White had a major injury attempting the triple cork Ooh. that sidelined him for an entire year. All right. Why? I'm pulling it up right now. So he, he went straight to the hospital. Let me see what his injury was. I forget. Oh, it was uh, it was on his birthday. Um, he <laughs> underwrote. He underrotated on a double flip that sent him to the hospital. The biggest scare ever. He saw blood in his urine after tests all came back oh. looking good. He was released from home, so he damaged his kidneys. Good God, you know all about that. I know a lot about that. Yeah, he landed like on the edge of the half pipe. It was ooh. It was it was an ugly crash. And so the triple cork was a long time eluded him his entire career until he attempted and he attempted it while training for the 2014 Olympics. Mm. That's how he injured his back. It was a major back injury. Some people thought he would never be able to come back to the sport again. And he fought back and came back. Mm, Good for him. Now for the trick that Sean White invented himself. As he describes it, it combines three and a half twists and two flips, and it is called the double McTwist 1260. Because of the danger in creating this trick, White practiced using huge pits of foam in which he still injured himself in. He contorted his ankle at one point, working on developing this trick. Hmm. Damn. Are you watching it? Yeah, I'm watching it, yeah. It's crazy that he just has access to this giant foam pit by this enormous half pipe at the bottom of this mountain here. But isn't it crazy? Because that foam pit is so much smaller than you would think. Is it? It looks huge. It looks massive. But in the videos that I watched, like the foam pit, like compared to 
Oh, compared to the half pipe, sure. Yeah. It's it's like but the half he has pipe to is land like, in that. Yeah, I mean he does. And if have you to land, land too that. close to the edge, oh my god. Yeah, I see like the edges are made of metal. So if he like yeah. hits his back on that, it's not gonna be good. The foam ain't gonna do nothing for him. Why not just lay out foam on the ground? Yeah. But either way, I get it. I get it. The last trick that we have listed is called the YOLO flip. It's a cab front side rotation while riding switch or in the opposite of natural stance. It's like you're riding backwards and you do a double cork 1440. So it's still a cork, but you're it's so if you go up in the half pipe, you're facing right foot forward, and that's your dominant foot forward. Think about landing backside. So now your left foot is forward and you're looking backwards. And when you go up the half pipe, you do a double cork 1440. That's what's called a yellow flip. All right. Well, baby me ain't gonna get it. So I don't even understand how to do a cork. So I'm gonna focus <laughs> on just starting with an Ollie and a a grab. Yeah, yeah. But the craziest thing is snurfing has, in fact, come back today. It has become a massive popular thing again. Snurfing? Yep, snurfing. The actual snurf board with the little the rope on the end of the stick. It has returned. Snurfing? Snurfing. All right, cool. Hell yeah. So Novak's snurf board in 2006 started making what he liked to call the indestructible snurf board um, using space glass or polycarbonate. And so they don't last forever, and they're extremely flexible, and it's the... Uh, it's a new thing. It has returned, even though it has evolved to become snowboarding. Snurfing has made its triumphant return. All right. Good for snurfing. Good for snurfers everywhere. Yes. Well, so that's snowboarding. That is snowboarding. I am informed. I now have the confidence to go out there on the mountain, except I don't know where to go. Go to a ski resort. You can rent a snowboard just like you can rent skis. You can rent boots. And um, the key thing is wear extra padding in your butt because when you first learn how to snowboard, you will fall on your butt a lot mm. because stopping requires you to turn and balance on the backside edge towards your heels. You think it's friendly to new snowboarders? Do you think there's a lot of communities that would welcome a I lot think of people so. out there? Um, because in order for snowboarding to survive, as they developed it, they had to collectively be a group. They weren't allowed on ski resorts, so they had to find hills and other places to gather as a community. And so that's the biggest thing with snowboarding, a lot like skateboarding, is to be discovered or to learn and to advance. You interact with other people that do it. That makes sense. I know snowboarding. The community is snowboarding. Community is everything. Um, my my cousins who grew up skiing with me, um, I've been skiing since I was three. They began snowboarding. And because of that, like I learned more about like snowboard culture and stuff like that. And a lot of times snowboarders are super friendly to other snowboarders. I wouldn't say that's necessarily the same between skiers and snowboarders, but I think it's just generally people collectively enjoying the same thing creates a greater a greater whole. You know, people are encouraging others, even like our friends that uh, we wrestled with. Uh, George, he started snowboarding and he found a group of people that would go snowboarding that he hadn't really known beforehand. And so they started snowboarding together and like filming each other doing tricks or advancing their skills. And it was really cool. That's pretty cool. I do like that. And I hope all of you at home liked listening to this primer, the very first episode of season two, coming back from the winter. And I'm going to survive that Yeti oh, with the knowledge oh. that I have now. You're going to build that snowboard good? I'm going to build that snurf. All six layers? The snurf bird. The snurf bird. I'm going to build the snurf bird. Don't snurf worry bird. about me. Yeah. So hopefully now you understand the competitions and the tricks that go into it and everything else with relation to snowboarding. If you want to pick it up yourself, go where uh, snow exists. All right. 
or just stand on a sled because that might work too. Okay. Sounds good to me. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. This has been Mark and Tyler with Go, my favorite sports team. Uh, back at it again and ready to fill your brains with sports knowledge. Uh, if you want to participate in our community, go to the subreddit. It is uh, reddit.com slash r slash gmfst. Uh, or you can go to the Discord where you can talk to fellow favorites over there. And yep. you can uh, join your fellow favorites in learning all about sports. And you can go to store.gmfsd.com and possibly meet like-minded people who listen to the podcast as well in person by sporting the merch. Be like, hey, oh, that I know that merch. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm wearing the hat right now. You can get it and you can finger sports too. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Yeah, bye. <laughs>